listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another brand new episode of ESL Talk. Yes, we hope you enjoyed our discussion on mindset last week. And today promises to be another great episode. Yeah, we really appreciate all of the positive feedback and comments uh, so far on social media. If you want to share your story with our community, um, please feel free to drop us a message or send us an email. So let's get down to business. Um, our topic today is all about business English and how you can start to specialize in this topic as an ESL professional. And our special guest today, Kate, joins us once again to discuss her experiences, her expertise in teaching business English, and how you can start to approach this market of students. Now, before we get to Kate, um, let me ask you a little bit about your business English experience, Daniel. Um, what is your experience teaching uh, this sort of specialty type of class? Yeah, um, I haven't really taught much English specifically for business. It's more academics who are studying or writing PhDs or thesis papers or dissertations. And -hmm. it's more helping them with writing um, and speaking and presentation skills. So it's not necessarily a course that I've taught or specific um, business training. It's more kind of academic skills at a professional level. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I do offer writing courses and speaking courses that are tailored towards more academic high-level learners, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't say it's business English as such. Um, mm-hmm. How about for you? What's your experience with this? Yeah, it's funny because when I started teaching 14 years ago, I was 21 years old, and one of the first jobs, yeah, you're doing the math now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the first jobs I had was actually working in company teaching. Uh, I was hired by a school that used to teach inside the Exxon Mobil company. So all of their employees mm. would have um, classes during their lunch break or really early in the morning. So I'd start at like 7 a.m. sometimes or later at night. And that was one of my first gigs. And talk about imposter syndrome then. Because I was like fresh out of college, didn't really have much experience teaching or 
in business, um, but I had to learn it. And luckily we had really good materials. They used um, different course books. The lower levels were actually general English um, with a little bit of focus in business English. And then at the higher levels, they used a market leader at the time. And I was just basically had to learn it on the go. Um, and then when I moved to Canada, because I had that experience already, I actually taught uh, the business English classes at the school where I first taught here for about a year and kind of revamped some of their program as well. So that was, was interesting. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and again, I think as we'll hear a little bit later when we talk to Kate, business English as such covers many different things. It's not mm -hmm. just, you know, one type of, of learner. So um, I was going to ask you, how does teaching business English differ from other types of classes for you? Um, I think it, it, it's the students is what makes a difference because mm. their their goals are usually very specific, at least in their minds. They, they have a very clear idea of what they want, um, which might not necessarily be what they need. Yeah, <laughs> so we true. sometimes have to adjust that. We talked about mindset last episode, which is really interesting for this as well. We sometimes have to um, change their mindset a little bit. Um, but in general, do, do you these mean are expectations by that? Their expectations and yeah. also like what they think. Um, they can do or what they think they should be able to do sometimes you know um, they have a lot of expectations about what the course should be but also about what they should be like what they mm -hmm. should be doing or what they mm -hmm. should be able to do um, and I think that that is a big the biggest uh, difference I find in teaching it is just understanding what your students need um, where they're coming from often these students have been working all day they're doing taking the, their, these classes in their free time or in their lunch break, like I used to um, teach before. And it's just a, their, their needs and um, their expectations and all that is going to be really, really different and specific, right? What, what do yeah. you think? I found, like you said, it's definitely the, the needs of the learner are, are definitely much um, much different compared to other types of English classes. I mean, for example, if I'm teaching IELTS students, it's it's pretty much... You know, for every student, there's a very similar approach right. and a goal for okay. business um, students or for those maybe academics that I teach. It's more about, you know, I need to write research papers that get published. I need to make sure that my writing is very specific and meets a certain, um, you know, style or niche or has certain features. Um, or for other students that I teach, it's, you know, they, some of them are teachers as well um, who teach English. Mm -hmm. It's I need to know that I'm knowledgeable about my topic and that I can speak about my topic knowledgeably and present information as well. Um, yep. So definitely the needs are much more specific and you can focus on those uh, in a lot more detail. So I guess the, the level of depth you go into um, as well as the, the needs of the learner are, are the main differences, I think. Now, um, having said that all about our learners, what do you think are the qualities uh, that teachers need to teach business English? How do you, yeah. how do you think that can be different? I think the main thing is to have some experience in business. Now that's a very general statement, but what I mean is, you know, I can take my, my example, my experience, you know, I've worked in universities, I've, I've taught at the university level. So if I'm working with master's students, PhD students, um, those who are writing very advanced um, papers or they need very specialized writing or speaking um, guidance, then I can help them with that. So having some experience in that industry, I think is, is very useful mm -hmm. um, as well as that being able to negotiate and identify where students can improve 
Now, a student might really want to focus on grammar, let's say, for example, but we might need to coach them or encourage them or motivate them to look at other aspects as well, because grammar is just one part of writing. You know, we need to look at vocabulary, we need to look at organization and flow and cohesion and all those kind of things. So I think you have to be patient and you have to be able to negotiate with students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another really important thing, which I keep coming back to in every episode is connecting what they need to their future and how it will help them and to their goals or to their motivations. Mm -hmm. So if a student has to finish a thesis in three months and they need some guidance with that, and I can help them do that. And I can say, this is going to help you with your introduction. This is going to help you with your literature review. Mm -hmm. This is going to help you with your analysis or your evaluation. If they can see those connections Mm -hmm. and they can see that the material you're giving them connects to that, then I think that's really positive. Um, yeah, it might feel like you're stating the obvious sometimes, but I, I, I totally agree with you. It, it is mm. something that we should do as teachers. And I always uh, used to say that to my trainees as well. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, tell them that this is a conversation exercise, but it's obvious it's a conversation exercise. It's not. No. Tell them that we are doing this to practice our conversation skills. We're not doing this to practice grammar, or this is an exercise that's going to help you write better. Just mm. stating the obvious sometimes is not that mm. obvious. And it's actually really really helpful exactly yeah we we don't know what goes through the mind of our students especially Mm -hmm. if they're learning another language maybe they can't they can't articulate that or then they don't have the awareness you know Mm -hmm. a lot of the times our students are really nervous and we think they come across as oh they're fine they understand everything they're they're good to go but sometimes that isn't the case so i think overwhelming yeah being and being patient as well and being realistic Mm -hmm. Um, is also really important uh, when you're teaching business learners as, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, what are some yeah. other, other qualities you think we might need? Um, you know, uh, speaking from experience, I definitely agree that it would have helped me if I had had experience in business myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't, um, which made it a lot harder for me to feel confident in what I was doing. Um, And it also made it a lot harder for me to fake that confidence and have my students believe in me. Um, I I don't, I've never had an issue with the students um, second guessing me after I started speaking because I was always, I always looked very young. And, you know, I was like, it kind of, I kind of looked like I was playing in my mom's clothes, you know, playing dress up, like wearing heels and like them, a business English teacher and all that. But once I started speaking and teaching, students immediately trusted me and like, okay, she knows what she's talking about. But internally, I was like, oh my God, right? Um, yeah, I'm yeah. faking it. Um, so what I would say is like, you need to, if you don't have that experience, you're going to have to work extra hard to yes. um, know the topic, do your homework, know what you're doing, know what you're teaching. This is something we've talked about many times in other episodes have, before. Yeah. Um, but also just feel feeling confident or faking that confidence until you feel that way because these people will expect you to know what you're talking about and yeah. they, they're professionals. And it, so there's a lot more um, that you need to show in those first few days and to build that um, relationship with your students. So I that's basically that. what I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you ever get any training or, well, you didn't teach business English specifically, but did you ever seek out any resources? So you had a student who you knew needed that kind of um, language or vocabulary. Did you find that easily? Were you able to find any support? 
So initially, I used my own experience as a student or when I did my master's or when I was, um, you know, writing dissertations and research papers, I used that experience to help me with my learners because I've been through that same process. So immediately I can connect with that learner and say, yep, I've, I've been through that. I know what it's like. I totally understand. So mm-hmm. from that, I can already, you know, establish a few of the potential issues um, mm-hmm. that students might have. I think what we sometimes underestimate is the power of a good textbook now mm-hmm. there's so yes. many textbooks out there it's really hard to know what's best for your for your learner um i've found that there's some really effective um, textbooks that can help as a supplementary guide it's not mm-hmm. the bible in terms of what i teach yeah. uh, these students it's more you know if we're looking at you know for example cohesion and flow then there might be a really good chapter in a textbook that explains it in a better way mm-hmm. and, and adds extra um, detail and can also give some activities that students can use, uh, which we can then manipulate in an online setting. So I think that's really useful. Um, but no, I didn't have any specific training. It's just lots of experience. And luckily or unluckily, I don't know which one in my life professionally, I've managed to work in lots of different areas. I've worked obviously in the education sector. I've worked on the other side, not just as a teacher, but also recruiting teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also, you know, I also do a lot of little small things within education that are not necessarily just teaching. So all of these little things give me some more insight. Um, And the best resource to learn about business is your student. Ask them questions, interact with them, get to know about what they do and Mm -hmm. ask them questions about it because then you'll have openings and opportunities to exploit that information to help your students even more. Um, one great example that I work uh, of work is a student who works for um, a social media company. I won't say which one. Um, and she has to provide customer support for, for clients, for customers. So every lesson, you know, she tells me about an experience or an example she had. How would you answer this? How would you solve this? What could I say? What's a better way to say this? And we use those examples as as kind of models or case studies. Um, And that's really beneficial for her because she's getting that feedback that she needs and she's getting that guidance that she needs based exactly on what she does. So it's a win-win. It helps me in terms of planning and prep. And it also helps her because she's getting the support that she needs. Um, How about for you? What resources or what kind of tools do you use to help you or did you use to help you with um, business students? Yeah. So you, you, yeah, you touched on a very important point there. Um, Course books are great. There are lots of really great business English course books and just resource books out there. Um, If you are able to start with something like that, I would definitely recommend it because it kind of gives you um, an idea of what the topics are. And once you've taught with one business English uh, material, like course book or whatever resource book, they're kind of all the same, just with slight variations on the topic. And it's the same thing for general English. You'll always have the grammar lesson on conditionals. You'll always have uh, the grammar lesson on like the functions for giving advice, you know? So the, there are those same kind of topics for business English that are repeated throughout. And if you can't get your hands on a, on a course book, there are a couple of websites that I found helpful just for me to get an idea of a sense of the, the, the specific language that these students wanted or needed. So one of them is uh, businessenglishresources.com. Not very creative there, but they, they have a lot of paid um, resources, but they do have a, a good chunk of their website. That's free, free lesson plans, free uh, idioms, um, 
worksheets and things like that, that would really help teachers starting out. And mm -hmm. another one is uh, another very creative one, businessenglishonline.net. But that is actually from the Macmillan um, okay. publisher. And they mm -hmm. have um, that in company is a course book that they have for business English. And they have some free resources on their website from their previous edition of the, the book. And those are downloadable. And again, you can get a sense of divided by level and you can get a sense of what the language is and, and stuff like that. Mm. So those two websites I would recommend for teachers starting out, but I totally mm. agree that a good course book can go a long way. Yeah, I think so. How to adapt I mean, it. I've just talked about my area of this, which is quite limited. Um, so what would you say are some of the popular services that business English students need? What are the kinds of things that they need to know or need to learn about? Because as I've said, I don't have a huge amount of experience with businesses and companies. Yeah, I, I'd say other than just like business specific vocabulary, which is the obvious uh, thing, it's just, uh, I'd say it's really important to teach uh, differences in tone, even mm -hmm. more so than for general English, um, like how to have like, how to use prop appropriate vocabulary appropriate sentence structures and because it's not just English that you can pick up on a TV show or, or a song and you know start using it in a meeting um, so you have to like that that the difference in tone and levels of formality I think is something that's really important to, to touch on um, and just functional language I think it's a bit different from general English where we work with tenses and things like that in in business I find that function goes a long way, giving advice, making polite requests, and that type of um, applicable grammar, mm -hmm. I find it. It's all a lot more related to what they can do with the language. So you, you, you kind of think of what their day-to-day -day is like. Like you said, when you talk to your student and you ask them what they did, what kind of situations they had and all that, that can give you a sense of the kind of language they'll need. And it's usually things like that, like talking on the phone, making requests, mm -hmm. um, apologizing, yes. um, asking Sharing for suggestions. Sharing negative bad news, as I think is yeah. a very common one that I've worked on as well. Exactly. And the proper tone for that, right? How do you say that in yeah, less blunt yeah. way? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And um now, how do how do you think we should we can go about uh, marketing or attracting this niche of students, business English? Yeah, students? what I've heard and what I've seen and what uh, so a little bit of research I've done on this has seemed to be that LinkedIn is a very powerful tool now. Mm -hmm. um, and I know some of our previous guests as well who teach business English, they've said that what works for them is by having a really strong presence on LinkedIn, having a really professional profile mm. and lots of recommendations on LinkedIn, and then mm. reaching out to organizations and companies who might yeah. benefit um, just to kind of get a foot in the door. Um, we'll offer a free session, we'll offer free classes just so you can get a feel. And then once they're in there, you know, because companies, obviously some bigger companies will, you know, have thousands of employees potentially that, that could be um, marketed to. So that's a really good approach that I think works well. Another thing that I found as well is just word of mouth, which sounds so basic, it's as old as time. But if a, a company or a small organization has a good experience, you know, people move around a lot in terms of work, they have lots of different jobs. Um, if you can make a good impression on a small scale, then generally that can, can kind of spread out. And, you know, I, I've worked with students before who say, you know, my wife, my husband works in this industry, or my, my children, or you know, all the children that is uh, are applying for this, so they want to work here. Um, can we can we get some classes? So I think those are good approaches. Yeah. Um, obviously, for you with on social media with with, with a pretty 
pretty big presence. Would that be a, a suitable place to to attract these kinds of students? Do you think? I think so, but you definitely need to uh, tailor your material a bit more, your or your posts or your content mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. more to to that niche. Um, there, definitely they're definitely there as well. Um, and I have had students who did my, took my course or had classes with me and then went on to do a business English focused course. So they're the same group of people, same mm-hmm. audience. There's a lot of overlap. Um, I don't market myself particularly for business, um, but I know a few teachers who do. Kate, our guest, is a yes. good example of that. And yes. she's built a huge following and has a very successful business just for business English and from Instagram. So yeah, I definitely think that that is a good way to go. Yeah, so on that note, um, we are going to now bring Kate into today's episode. She's going to share with us um, her experiences with business English and how you can maybe get started if that's something you want to look at for your own teaching. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Hello, Kate. It's great to have you back here with us. For our listeners that uh, already know you, they already have some background, but maybe you'd like to say hi to our new listeners that didn't listen to your previous episode. Yeah. So (laughs) my name is Kate and I'm a business English teacher. I've been teaching business English for the last 10 years. I've been teaching English as a whole for 13 years, but I focus primarily on business English for 10 years now. Wonderful. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you, Kate, um, why did you start teaching business English specifically? Why did you decide to focus on that as a as a method of teaching or an area of teaching? You know, I must say it's it's actually kind of accidental. Um, When I left for Korea, I had a TESOL certificate with 60 hours training um, and that was enough. But I also was not the primary teacher in the in the classroom. So I was allowed to be teaching children. When I moved to Germany in the beginning of 2012, um, that like you are not allowed into the classroom if you do not have 
that standard of, of educational training. So for me, the question was, okay, do I want to go back to school? Do I want to get, uh, get trained in teaching young kids again or go the more corporate route? Um, and for me, it was just clear. I, I love hanging out with adults. I, I have a very natural kind of curiosity for what people do. And this job allows me to just continually ask questions and just not stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, that was, that was just kind of perfect. I started out working at an institution in Dortmund uh, when we lived there and I loved it. I was helping people who were currently unemployed, try and improve their skills so that they would become more employable. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to my newest town where I've been living for the last eight years now, um, there is no institutions in the area. It's all freelance. So again, I was pushed into freelance without really having a choice, Mm. uh, which is kind of funny because I love it. And I'm so glad that I'm here. And now I'm helping other teachers with their freelance business. Not not the subject for today, but uh, (laughs) for the subject for our last chat. Uh, But it's just so funny that I like I didn't necessarily choose these things. These things Mm -hmm. were kind of pushed onto me. And now I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, this seems to be a bit of a recurring theme <laughs> with a lot of people. We, I think we so. Talk to. We just yeah. kind of seem to fall into these different areas of, of teaching and, and that's mm-hmm. what we find that we enjoy. So yeah, it's, it's great in some ways, but also a little bit scary that we all seem to have similar experiences. Yeah, that's but, true. But you know, I feel like nobody would really choose not to have a paycheck. No one really right. wants to work for themselves from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, that in itself is scary. Mm-hmm. And then not having support, not having, you know, the, the resources, all of that stuff that comes with working with a team. Yeah. Um, so I feel like you are just kind of pushed into it to a certain extent. And then at some point you're just like, Hey, actually, this is, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much yeah, <laughs> to we, see the advantages. Yeah. We talked a little about it off air before we started and yeah, we're kind of realizing it's just something small like the first step is is quite difficult but once you make that first small step and try to go freelance or independent i think the potential is uh huge yeah. as i'm sure you'll tell us all about a little bit later yeah. kate <laughs> yeah and and, and yeah. just to get more into that topic of business english so just for our listeners that might just be starting out what would you define as business english what exactly is i teach business english what does that mean yeah this is actually uh the most commonly asked question for Mm-hmm. my page other than uh, yeah no I, I don't know about you guys but on Instagram you tend to get how do I become fluent mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. I consider my my first and most commonly asked niched question what's mm-hmm. the difference between business English and normal English you know the uh-huh. English everybody else learns um and I, I mean there's it's not it's not <laughs> it's almost like American English and British English it's not like they're two totally separate worlds that are so far apart you have to choose one and not the other mm-hmm. I think the thing is you know English is now the language of business mm-hmm. so you can work for a Finnish company in Germany with a Spanish boss and three Italian supervisors and you'll all need English yeah The thing is that in corporate English, there's definitely a higher level of how you describe things. So it's not necessarily about how you personally can describe your job or your project or all of those things. The problem becomes if English is not my first language, I can use basic, normal, everyday English to describe my project and people will understand me. The problem begins 
when everyone else is talking and they're using the jargon, mm-hmm. the, the language that is commonly used in our industry for, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. If I can't keep up, that's when I start to feel like, like I, I, you know, like someone who's left out of the conversation, you have like throwbacks to being excluded in high school. And you just <laughs> think of how, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional person. I know my job. I do my job well, yet I can't describe it well in English. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And are there uh, specific fields or areas of work where you see business English being more effective or more useful in your experience? Yeah. Anything in service, mm-hmm. really. Um, like I know, for example, I, so, you know, I moved to Germany 10 years ago and then I started teaching for myself eight years ago. And in that time, eight years ago, um, since then I have worked for Um, I've worked for the medical industry. I've worked for lawyers. I've worked Mm -hmm. for bosses and secretaries. I've worked in the fashion industry. I've worked for a photographer and two professional uh, athletes. I've worked for companies that make big tools, like the kind that can pick up your house Mm -hmm. to another place. And I've uh, worked for companies that make really tiny tools that have diamonds encrusted in them because diamonds are the hardest substance known to man and they make therefore the best grinders. It was a diamond encrusted grinder that they make specifically. Um, And for me, I always find it funny. And this is actually like the beginning. This was the beginning of, of our business English Academy, which we'll definitely get into more of later if you guys would like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I always found it funny that I get the same questions and the questions are, you know, okay, now that you've corrected this sentence, how do I not make this mistake again in the future? Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of professionals, they just want to know the, they just want to know how to make the right sentences. So in that mm-hmm. way, it's just advanced level grammar, for example, mm-hmm. or collocations and phrasal verbs and expressions that are used that in that way, it's very much just an advanced level English. However, each specific industry will also have like I said earlier, their jargon, their, their very mm-hmm. specific industry specific words. Yeah. Um, now that being said, I think the most commonly used everywhere is the service industry. It's the, uh, the secretaries of the CEOs, mm-hmm. high pressure to make sure that you do not fail in English much more so than the CEOs themselves. CEOs are like, I don't care about the grammar. Just let me talk. Whereas the secretaries are like, I need to make sure that this conditional sentence is perfect. Yeah. They write the emails and all that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they, they also feel like they're missing something in some way. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that, that is unfortunate because a lot of the time they're incredibly intelligent people when they have a lot of space plates spinning, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But there is that pressure and that's the, the pressure to sound professional in, in, how you would normally sound professional in your own language. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. just to follow up on that, Kate, would you say that it's important to, for, for business English students, is it important for them to learn the process of how certain things happen? So for example, you said terminology, how do we get that from the short term or the working memory into the long term? Do mm-hmm. you go into those elements? Do you cover those kinds oh, of yeah. things in your classes? Okay. Yeah, that's a large part of what I do is trying to explain why and then how you can not make that mistake again in yep. the future. Mm-hmm. So like here, for example, I, I'm in Germany, obviously. 
Um, I, I don't know if I've said Germany before, but I said Dortmund. <laughs> so, you know, I am in Germany. Yeah. Um, so one of the big struggles for German speakers, German native speakers learning English is that in German, there's only one present form mm. and there isn't two. Daniel's like, yup. So there is, there's no, you know, they will often say, I'm driving my car to right. work every day. Overusing the present continuous, that's true. Instead of I drive to mm. work every day. So, so when I start at a new company, no matter what level they are, I always start the same way. Like the first two lessons are the exact same. The first one is me introducing myself. I have, you know, my spiel about who I am. I also do some of that in German so that people can see that my German is not perfect. And yet here I am. Uh, because I truly believe that, you know, if anybody is trying to be perfect, you're only going to hold yourself back. Mm-hmm. The best way to improve is simply to talk. My yeah. German's not perfect, but here I am. So that just kind of immediately breaks down any boundaries of people not wanting to speak. Um, I explain how and what I prioritize in my class. My first question from any of my working professionals is, is there going to be homework? <laughs> They want to know immediately whether or not I'm going to give them homework. And my answer is simple. No, but Mm. for me, as long as every single class, we have elements of listening to English, reading English, speaking English and writing English, then I promise not to give you any homework. Mm. And then I will also go to that next level because I have a lot of CEOs, a lot of managers, a lot of people who take business trips as my clients, my students. So, you know, there's, there's going to be times when they come into class with their phone and their phone's going to ring and they cannot have to look at me. They shouldn't have to look at me and say, is this okay? Because Mm -hmm. this is their job. Of course it's okay. Do what you need to do. I'm not, I'm not going to mark your name on my list and give you, you know, minus 10 points or things like this. All that, that school stuff is, is gone. Mm -hmm. I'm here to help you learn English for your job. That's it. Yeah. Um, And also that there's going to be times when they're on business trips and they can't come in. So what do you do if there is? Uh, Because for me, you know, if you, if you go more than two weeks without speaking, the speak, the speaking becomes harder. Mm -hmm. I learned that the hard way when I was studying German. Um, I took a five month intensive course. It was five hours a day for five months from nine until one o'clock, eight until one o'clock in the afternoon every single day for five months. And I got myself to almost a B2 level German. And then I went on holiday with my husband and young child. We went back to Canada for two weeks and I didn't speak German the entire time. And when I came back, it took me like a month to warm up again. And Mm -hmm. it just felt like I had, you know, I had taken this one step backwards that, that was giant. Mm -hmm. Um, So I told myself since then that when and if I get to a place, you know, I use a lot of German here, so I don't have to try hard to speak German here in this world. Um, yet, if I ever go back to Canada, I always bring, there's these like tiny little books that you can get there, a dollar at the grocery store, and they're four or five pages long. They're very tiny and unassuming. They fit perfectly in a suitcase. Uh, so we've got like 45 of those things. I will take all 45, throw them in my daughter's suitcase. And instead of speaking English with her and reading her English books as I normally do, when mm-hmm. we're on holiday, I read her German books. Mm-hmm. And then when That's I do good. that, I don't forget the German. And I come home and it's like, bam, right there. Mm. That's good. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good like little tip for even for like English speakers and things absolutely like for English learners. I mean, yeah, reading kids' books is a mm-hmm. huge way of seeing grammar how it's supposed to be seen, especially at a, at a basic level. And actually, one step further than that, one of my one of my tips or tricks of of showing people the difference between I'm driving and I drive, as we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. is that there's a something here in German. I don't know what the word is in English. It's called a Wimmelbuch. And the Wimmelbuch has like a, it's a very big page with a lot happening on it. If hmm. it's a, if it's an image of a farm, there'll be sheep in the background. There's a tractor. There's a kid over here chasing mm-hmm. a, uh, a dog. Oh. There's a cat chasing a mouse. There's so much happening on these images that I'm like, okay, open up the book to, to the farm or to the firehouse or to the hospital. And I'm like, okay, this is every day. Every day he drives the tractor to the field. Every day the sheep come out and eat in the field. Every day they pull the, gar- the vegetables from the thing. Now, now this is not every day. Now this is a window and this is happening now. She mm-hmm. is driving the tractor. The, the sheep are eating on the field. The, the, ch- the cat is chasing the mouse. Mm-hmm. In that way, people can kind of start to see that there's that slight difference between what happens every day and what happens right now. Right. So I actually use a lot of kids' books in my lessons with my adults. That's good. I, yeah. I've seen these books, actually. I think they're very popular in Europe. I think also yeah. in maybe Czech Republic, I think as well. I think I saw them there. They're quite popular. Yeah. But that's, that's a really cool story. And again, yeah. something yeah. that you wouldn't, necessarily think of but again you're, you're using that as a really positive tool for for learning yeah um, most of the time they laugh when i bring it in because most of these adults are 55 year old and they know it yeah. but they all enjoy it, it as well kids. i'm sure yeah. right <laughs> yeah. exactly please That's don't awesome. make me do this oh <laughs> but by so, the end they love it and then it really helps right and then you're like okay and yeah and time people are like i could do this with my kids yeah mm. yeah, yeah. That's a good okay, tip. I was going to ask you, I know we've, we've talked about Germany, obviously, um, but are there any other, right now, especially, any particular areas, any particular markets where there's a big demand for business English other than Germany, which you've mentioned? Great question. Great question. Um, yeah, I guess uh, to a certain extent, most of the people in our um, most of the people in our Business English Academy are coming from Brazil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I've noticed that too, actually, through my um, online courses and all that. Um, a lot, the majority of my students who enroll are from Brazil. Yeah, That's I have, interesting. I have an, a Brazilian teacher in our team, and she mm-hmm. has said the statistic is like staggering. It's like 5% of adults in Brazil have a working knowledge or working use of English. Mm. So to a certain extent, I can see if if they really are struggling to understand and you know English is everywhere Mm -hmm. then yeah there's a huge market for growth there yeah yeah that's good to know I've noticed as well um, I think not just Brazil but also I think Colombia Mexico Peru a lot of the Latin countries as well there's definitely a these days I don't know what it is which which was the trigger but there seems to be um, a lot more students that I'm seeing from those countries have you noticed the same yeah yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like, it, I don't know why it does seem to be like expanding in bubbles. You know, you don't mm-hmm. get 
one American and one Brazilian and one one Argentinian yeah. and one Iranian in one day, you get like a, a giant bubble of all of them. So yeah, it's it's definitely very interesting. I wonder if that's uh, related to also like our marketing strategies on social media, because again, uh, we were talking about this off air off the air too, but uh, uh, algorithms, right? Right. So like it. it can see that a lot of a few people from Brazil are interacting a lot with your posts and then they starts to spread it to more people in that location. Right. And, and then it just kind of snowballs that way. So right. that could be where it's coming from as well. Absolutely. The algorithm like bursting in little, little fireworks mm -hmm. for, for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's truly an interesting thing, but I do really? think that business English in general is something that a lot of adults know that they need. I, yeah. It's almost, it, in my mind, business English is not a small enough niche. It is absolutely something no. most adults mm. either know they need and hate they need or, you know, know they need and have, have succumbed to it. But you can't find any adults that are like, oh, no, I will never and have never, ever needed English for my job. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I, I, I discussed this before with my husband, actually, when I was starting my, uh, my online business, how like, if you put the, almost like the brand business English on it, it's almost like saying CrossFit, like people immediately <laughs> know what it is and yeah. what they're getting into. And it, 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 you, you attract a certain uh, niche, but it's a huge niche. It is mm -hmm. like you said, and, it but it's, it's, it's restricted enough that you can focus your content more. Mm -hmm. uh, but speaking of which you, you do run a pretty successful online business English course. You mentioned the, your, your Academy. Um, what considerations did you have to make when you created it? Like as an online course, rather than face-to-face -face freelancing, like you did before. Yeah. Yeah. If I can give a little bit of the history, because I think that will actually help with, with understanding what it is mm -hmm. that we created. So when I first came over to Instagram, the, the con or I guess online, but it was primarily Instagram, it still is primarily Instagram mm -hmm. on my social media marketing side. Um, so, so I basically, as I said earlier, I, I was in all these different industries and they were all asking the same questions. So I had a very systematic way of how I start with new companies. And I would know, for example, okay, um, get to a certain level with these guys. And next week, we're going to do much and many, I would make a little MM in my, in my calendar. And I knew it, like MM part one, two, and three. And I knew exactly what I was going to do that entire 90 minutes. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew exactly what people were going to ask me. I knew exactly how I was going to react. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what game we were going to play in order to just, just kind of have a little fun with it. Um, so for me, like that was just always totally clear. When I started with Instagram, I actually wanted to turn those exact lessons into video content because I wanted to help more people with less of my own time. Mm -hmm. um, so we created the very first course, which was the basics of grammar, the difference between I am eating versus I eat, but it didn't sell as much as I expected, you know, knowing how important it is, knowing how mm -hmm. helpful the information is, how much it has helped my clients. I was surprised how much people weren't necessarily buying. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of equated it later on in my life, you know, my, I'm B2 level German. Um, I know that there's room for growth. If somebody came at me with a German grammar course, I'd be like, I need that, but not yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a like, priorities. Make me pay for this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want this as much as you think I want this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, while I know that this course is helpful, people aren't necessarily inspired by grammar. 
They don't see the value sometimes in it. They don't see the value. And then we created the second course because we wanted it to be the next level. But the same thing, we were just kind of struggling to to get buyers at that time. Um, We did the much and money parts one, two, three. We did the adjective orders. You know, I call it OSAS, compass, opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose, OSAS comp. Mm-hmm. So I, did, I turned that into a lesson. I took all of this stuff, turned it into each individual lessons. And then in October of last year, we were uh, only one year ago, which I cannot believe how much has wow. changed year. <laughs> uh, October of last year, and this is being recorded on the 6th of October. Yeah. <laughs> um, so October of last year, we got, um, we got contacted by an Indian Fortune 500 company in India, I should say, that, that helped the Fortune 500 companies. So any, if you call Tesla, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, any Fortune 500 companies and talk to their service agents, you might actually be talking to one of our students. Hmm. So they asked us to create a practical skills course. They didn't necessarily want the grammar. They wanted how to write emails, how to answer the phone like a like a English speaking person, mm-hmm. how to give bad news with respect, how to ask for clarification, how to be polite with certain cultures. Like the, it was a very much a how to, like menu list of what they right. needed. And then we had fifteen, I think, how to video lessons. Thought we should mix all this together, all of this with the grammar and the much and many, mm-hmm. and how to do this and how to do that. And we created from that a five month program where you get either two or three videos per week. And then, so that is like a system that's running. And then there's also two live lessons per month. So they're getting us six times per month, but we're mm-hmm. only there twice. And honestly, sometimes I think the, they're getting more value from the times where we're not there versus the times where we're there, where we're just kind of chatting and we're like interacting, we're having a nice time, but they're getting real value from those lessons beforehand. Mm-hmm. So that's the basis of the five month program is basically taking all of the video content we've created and turning that into something that can take pr- someone from where they currently are where they're unsure of how to answer the phone, unsure of whether or not they're writing emails the correct way to then confident in their skills of those things and the grammar that they need to use and the descriptive words and the blah, blah, blah. That is blah, blah, blah. That's okay. So in terms of teaching business English, I know you told us about your background, but if let's say, for example, someone listening would like to maybe teach business English or they think this could be a potential avenue for them, are there any courses or certifications that might help them or benefit them above and beyond the regular TEFL or TESOL certifications? If I'm honest, I don't actually, like, I've never heard of something. I've never mm-hmm. been asked, have I done this thing in order to then qualify in certain companies? So to the best of my knowledge, at least here in Germany, there is not. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it is, I have 13 years experience and that seems to be enough for mm-hmm. people to then, then be confident enough in me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would yeah. That's an useful, interesting point. Would it be useful to have a background in business, maybe a university or an MBA or something like that? Do you think that could benefit you with the teaching? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My, my background is in communications. Right. Um, so, and people do ask that when I get there. So yes, having a university degree in communications and then 13 years experience in English, it, it does absolutely 
kind of fill in any blanks that might be missing for certification wise. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, like I said, I've worked in the medical industry, but I'm not, I don't know the difference, but I don't know, you know, trying to pull out some of my Gray's anatomy jargon. (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be like, you know, what kind of antibiotic is this? It would absolutely be helpful to have someone who studied medicine or who specializes in medicine. Mm-hmm. And then has all of those words. And then, you know, the, the teacher trainer part of me is like, then you can ask for so much more money because when you are specific in that way, yeah, so niche down, you can absolutely ask for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Money. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. Cause you're, you talked about your experience in, in Germany and yeah, I noticed when I was uh, teaching like uh, teacher training courses here in Canada, we even started adding those as optional modules um, for our students mm-hmm. to take teaching business English because there isn't really much out there to prepare. Yeah. Okay. Not, not to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. Truth, mine either. You know, mm-hmm. I took the 60, 60 hour Tesla course in Canada before I got to Korea. It was wildly lacking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and um, now how do we go about, how can students or sorry, teachers go about attracting students or clients who want to learn business English? On social media marketing, you mean? Like, well, with... that's that's what you've done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a lot of it. Do you know organic, any other? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you so think that locally, that's the best way currently? Locally here, um, I have a website specific for this region. So I use like our city in the in the website. All of mm. that. It's completely separate from English anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously a little bit more a little less local. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I've got a website for that. And then, um, you know, Google, Google business card and all of that. We've got some locations in the area, but actually that was how and why I started my Instagram page. But when I had 700 followers realized very quickly that actually none of my people come from here, what, how do I create something for them? So that cr- mm-hmm. ended up, you know, shifting the social media element of it a different way. And then the website will still bring in clients. Yeah. So I still get emails and, and calls saying, you know, more locally services. Can you, can you come in for an interview? Mm-hmm. Um, I think social media wise, Instagram is a great place. And I would say the second place to be is probably LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on LinkedIn myself, but I'm way less active with it. I could yeah. probably, probably be doing more that way. Mm-hmm. I was uh, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp were all kind of blocked out last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and and somebody asked me, you know, if Instagram disappeared tomorrow, where would you go? And I thought mm, LinkedIn would probably be my best bet. Oh, yeah. So. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So with your students, with your business English students that you have, would you say that their expectations and what they are looking for in English classes is different? Is Are there higher expectations than maybe standard ESL classes? Um, how do those differ or are they pretty much the same? What would you say? That's a great question. I think it's um, the main difference to me is more mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the general English, without generalizing people too much, because I, I don't think that you of can course. that much either. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that to a certain extent with general English, there, uh, there's a lot of like the onus is put on the teacher. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. I feel like the mindset for people who've gotten themselves to management positions, but now need English level in order to, you know, communicate with their direct superiors in a completely different country. They're not necessarily looking for me to have every single answer. They're just, they're seeing me as the tool that I am. Facilitating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, that's good. That's how I want to see it for myself. I'm a tool. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not the person who's going to open all the doors. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And I feel like business English students are more ready to accept that. They're more Mm -hmm. more accepting of that concept versus the, you know, at least what I see from, from like general English followers Mm -hmm. on Instagram, they really do want me to the magic pill. It's more of like a hand holding thing, right? Yeah. 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 Just feed me English. What do I do next? (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, Absolutely. That's very true. Now, having said that, as as business English teachers, do you think uh, we should charge more for yes. for the service? Mm. Why? How much more do you think, and why? <laughs> ah. um, I I mean, it is just that much more specific. You're asking for a little bit more experience. You can't can't necessarily have somebody walk in on their very very first day. And do the same thing that someone can and let, you know, I don't mean to directly compare it to me, but, you know, 13 years experience or, or whatever, like the things that come with mm-hmm. knowing more, you know, what's the, what's the expression or the, or the quote where it's like, you're, it, pay, it takes $1 to know, no, it takes $1 to cut the wire in the bomb. And it takes nine hundred ninety nine dollars to know which wire to cut. Mm-hmm. You like know, you're you're paying me for my knowledge and my experience, mm-hmm. and not necessarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, if if you think about a student looking for a general English teacher, they might not necessarily value the experience, the years of experience that teacher has as much. Right. Uh, whereas if it's like yeah, like you said, a CEO or somebody who's doing this for their career, they'll probably put a lot more focus on that on how long have you been doing this and Mm -hmm. all that so then with time you can start to charge more and more and exactly build that way Mm -hmm. that's a good point wonderful thank you so much kate for sharing all your expertise and knowledge on business english um how can our listeners get in touch with you again just in case they haven't yet listened to your first interview with us okay Uh, yeah, if, if you're looking for me, please come over and find me on Instagram. Instagram is definitely the best way to chat with me and to get our daily daily micro learning posts and all of that. Um, you can find me at english.anywhere.de underscore Kate. There's actually a full team of us. We've got Ian and Malika, Tembi. We've got quite a few team, different team members. I am Kate. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's been so nice to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> and well, thank I'm you sure we'll for be in touch. my stories. Yeah. yeah, this is good. Thank you. Thanks for being available once again. Yeah, we appreciate always. it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks again, Kate, for joining us for another episode. I always learn a lot listening to you. Um, do feel free to follow Kate on social media um, for more pearls of wisdom. She does put a lot of content on there and it's really entertaining and very valuable for you um, as a teacher. Absolutely. And remember to subscribe to receive the latest episodes each Wednesday. You can follow us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast or send us an email to eslTalkPodcast at gmail.com. And you can join me on Instagram at Learning with Faye. Faye is F-E-Y. Or well, I'm Daniel Teacher. Uh, well, we do hope you'll join us again for next week's episode. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.